Welcome to Ignite Depot. My name is Apostle Milton Jones. I want to thank you for joining us tonight. We're so glad that you're here. We've been looking forward to seeing you all week long. So let's go ahead and jump right into the word. I'm going to make this confession and then we're going to pray and jump into the word. In accordance to Isaiah 61 and 1, it says this, that the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive and to open the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, a day of vengeance of our God, and to comfort all who mourn, and to give unto them, the, to appoint unto them the morning Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise. For the spirit of heaven is that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And they shall build the old waste, and they shall raise the former desolation. And they shall repair the waste cities, the desolation of many generations. Father, we give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. We thank you for this opportunity in your word. We thank you, Father, that our preaching and teaching will not be with enticing words of man's wisdom, but let it be in demonstration of spirit and power, that the faith of man lie not in the wisdom of man, but in the power of the Most High God. Father, we thank you that people will be healed, set free, delivered, made whole, in the name of Jesus. I'm covenant with you for miracles, signs, wonders, manifestations of the gifts of the Holy Spirit as you see fit. Father, let my tongue be the pen of a ready writer, writing the very oracles of your word upon the tab tables of their heart. Father God, I release you to do a work in us and through us right now in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen and glory to God. Make this confession with me. Say, this is my Bible. The Bible is God speaking to me. The Bible is the truth. It tells me what I should think. It tells me how I should believe. And it tells me how I should walk. The word of God is the most important thing. Say that with me. The word of God is the most important thing. Now, man, we have a charge to keep here. I have a charge to keep, and this is the charge that I will keep. This is what you can, you can, you can take it to the bank. Every time you turn, tune in to this broadcast, every time you hear a podcast, every time you hear a message, this is the charge we're going to keep in the name of Jesus, in accordance to 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. And it's for the charge for the times that we're living in right now. He, this is Paul writing to Tim, Timothy. And if this registers with you, man, I, I'll just tell you to receive it in Jesus' name. It says this. It says, I charge you, therefore, before God and the, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and at his kingdom. Preach the word. So every time you tune in this broadcast, we are going to preach the word of God unapologetically, uncompromisingly. We are going to preach the word of God. Now, when are we going to preach the word of God? We're going to preach. It says this. He says, be ready in season and out of season. That means to be ready at all time, to be ready when people want to hear it. Be ready when people don't want to hear it. Be ready when people are open to receive and be ready when they ain't trying to hear anything you got to say. We still have an assignment. We have a responsibility and a charge to preach the word of God or proclaim the word of God at all time. Why, when we're preaching the word of God, why are we going to preach the word of God? Remember, this is still the year 
of correction, direction, protection, and perfection. Remember, you're, he's going to correct. He's going to raise a standard back to a standard of truth so it can direct you in the way that you should go to bring about protection from evil, or evil, hurt, harm, and danger, and to bring about perfection for your complete whole, lacking no good thing. So when we're preaching the word, what's preaching the word going to do? It's going, it's, is there to convince you, is there to rebuke you, is there to exhort you with all long suffering and teaching. In other words, is there to bring about correction. What are you trying to correct? The person? Nope. What are you trying to correct? The behavior. As, as a child, when a child, a, par a parent is correcting their child, they're not trying to just correct the child. What their goal is to correct or modify or change the behavior. Do what? They correct, raise back to another standard. They direct, point the child in the way that they should go to do what? Protect them from all hurt, harm, and danger so that they might be whole and complete, lacking no good thing. And, and why are we going to do that? Why are we going to preach the word? Why are we going to do it in season and out of season? Why are we going to convince it and rebuke and exhort with all long suffering and teaching? Why? It says, because for the time will come when people won't won't endure sound doctrine or sound teachings and instruction but according to their own desires what will happen is they don't want to hear they don't want to hear about your bible stuff they don't want to hear what the word of god has to say they don't want to hear the truth that will make them free but what they want to do is they will want to begin to lean to their own desires things is going to be Ooh, easy and pleasing to their flesh. I just want you to make me feel good. See, I can give you a whole lot of spirituality, as they call it, and never touch your spirit at all. I can have you so high on hooping and hollering, mm -hmm, yeah, yeah, and all that good stuff. Guess what's going to happen? You will have a lot. You will have some inspiration, but you won't have any information. At, at the end of the day, when you get in test trials and tribulation, you will walk away with a whole bunch of frustration. Why? Because you have nothing of substance. All those false, all the all those false teachings and all those things is just about emotional and getting you pumped in and a whole lot of emotions and stuff like that. All that's going to do is set you up for failure. And I, for one, refuse to do that. Why? Because I love you. God will refuse to do that. Set you up like that. Why? Because he loves you. And see what else he says. And, and, and people are going to want to go according to their own desires because they have itching ears, itching ears. Teacher, teacher, scratch my ears. Give me something good to hear. That's that's the mentality. Teacher, teacher, scratch my ear. Our preacher, preacher, scratch my ears. Give me something good to hear. Tell me how much God's going to bless me. Tell me that I'm going to be out of debt by Friday. Tell me that all these things are going away. Tell me I'm not going to ever have to suffer anything. Tell me I'm never going to be persecuted. I can't tell you that. Oh, I can tell you that, but that's a lie, and I refuse to lie to you. I'm going to tell you the truth, even to my own hurt. You can be so mad at me, boy, you would want to slap my cheek. I wouldn't, rep I wouldn't recommend it, but you, you know, some people can get upset with you, but the, at the end of the day, if you love them, Tell them the truth. Now, it says, they are, the people, they'll have itchy ears. And they want you to scratch their little itchy ear. Give me something good to hear. And they will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth 
and turn aside to fables. What are fables? False stories. They'll turn our ears away to hear stuff that, that sounds good. Man, sounds, ooh, that sounds, ooh, that's so good, man. And I'm going to get all that, and I ain't got to do nothing, and I ain't got to change, and I can still live whatever kind of life I want to live and still get all the benefits. Man, that's, 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 that's utopia. That ain't, that's not even real. Places like that don't even exist. Because even in the kingdom of God, even when you're learning how to operate according to the kingdom of God, there are, th- are going to be corrections. Because it's going to raise you or raise your thought process to a, a whole different standard, which is going to turn you or aim you in the direction that you should go that will protect you and keep you from all hurt, harm, and danger. Doesn't mean that you're not going to go against test, test trials and tribulations. Everybody goes through test trials and tribulations. It's not whether or not you're going to go through anything. It's what do you do when you are in those situations? How do you respond when you're in those situations? determines whether you're going to be a victor or a victim. If you fall down with your scritch, scr- scratchy, scratchy, itchy, itchy, a preacher, preacher, scratch my ears, give me something good to hear, but you don't have any substance according to the word of God, according to the kingdom of God, man, you're going to get lumped up and you're going to blame God for it. And I'm here to tell you that make you and the devil lie because God is never your problem, but he is your solution. And he says, and, and they... They, because they want something to scratch their little ears, they will turn away from the truth. So what did he tell us to do? What did he tell me to do? And other apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers teach and preach the word of God. That's your assignment. That's your charge to keep. Now, what happens if you was teaching the word of God? Or what happens if you started walking with the Lord, but you fell away? And what happens if, you know, you did follow in, in that category where you used to have itchy, itchy ears and you said, preacher, preacher, scratch my ears. Give me something good to hear. And you, t- but you turned away from the truth. But you realize after you got out there that, man, I made a boo-boo. I messed some stuff up. I am on the wrong track. Well, I got some good news for you. Jesus made a way for you to be restored and back relationship as if nothing ever happened. How do you know he'll do that? Man, you don't know what I did. I denied him, man. I turned away. I went back out there and started living like I thought I was big and bad and, and thought I was cool and I was acting like a fool. What? How would he be able to forgive me? Well, let's find out what he did. Has he ever done that before with anybody? I got an example for somebody. If you're going to listen, turn with me over to John chapter 21. Are you ready? John chapter 21. It says this. It says, now mind you, Jesus told Peter, said, Peter, you know what? Peter's like, I'm with you. I'm with you, Jesus. I ride or die with you, man. You die, I'm dying. You live, I live. You go left, I'm going left. I'm with you to the end. Jesus turned around and Peter said, man, before the night's over, you're going to deny me three times. He he looked back at Jesus like, man, them suckers might deny you, but me, Lord, I'm with you to the end. I'm riding with you, man. I'm your ride and die. Before, when Jesus got got captured by by the high priest, and, and the guards said he was getting persecuted and beat on and, and slapped around and everything. And then they said, hey, uh, Peter, wasn't you with him? My old man, I don't know what you're talking about, bro. And then somebody else looked at Peter and said, Peter, wasn't you with him? He's like, man, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know the man. And then his little girl said, I know you was one of him because you talk just like what him. And then it says, oh, Peter started cussing. Mother blanket, that blank, blank. I wasn't no one. I don't know that mother joker. What ended up happening? 
Soon as he did that, the cock crowed. And when the cock crowed, Peter was looking at Jesus. Jesus was looking at Peter and Peter was heartbroken because he had denied the Lord three times. He fulfilled what it is Jesus said he was going to do. Was it Jesus desiring that Peter denied him? Absolutely not. But he was only telling people, Peter, keep it 100, man. You are, going, you you are not as strong as what you think you are. And what he found out was he was not. But God did not discard him. And let's find out what he did here. Let's go to John chapter 21 and 15. In fact, Peter was so heartbroken. Peter walked away from walked away from what it is he called him to do. He said you was going to be a fisherman of men. Peter said, man, I don't messed up too much. I'm going to fishing. And Peter was one of the leaders. So when he said he was going fishing, the rest of them went fishing with him. But let's find out how does what does God do when you need restoration? Let's see what God does when somebody falls away. Let's find out. John chapter 21, verse 15 says this. So then they had eaten breakfast. Jesus said to Simon Peter, he says, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? In other words, do you love me more than this fishing? Do you love me more than your own desires? Do you love me more than having your own way? And then Peter says to Jesus, he says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then what did Jesus say? He says, feed my lambs what he says if you love me go back to what i told you to do before you fail hold up then he says to him again jesus says again to peter he says the second son simon son of jonah do you love me and he said to him yes lord you know that i love you he said to him then tend my sheep and I, whoa, whoa 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 hold it you mean even after he has already said he loved him, Jesus is still talking to him about what he needed him to do. Why was he continuing to talk to him about him? Because, because when he first heard it, he heard, but he didn't hear. He's, he, he, he heard what Jesus said, but see, we'll talk about what it, why Jesus said it to them the third time. Just a second. Then Jesus said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me now peter was grieved he was grieved because he said to him the third time do you love me and he said to him lord you know all things you know that i love you then jesus said to him again feed my sheep in other words Peter, you denied me three times. So I asked you the same question three times. I was asking you when Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? P Jesus was saying, Peter, do you agape unconditionally love me like I unconditionally love you? The first two times Peter said, Jesus, you know that I phileo love you. I love you, but I have a limit to my love. I love you as a brother. I love you, but there's conditions to that love. And Jesus says, do you love, love me unconditionally? Un unconditionally like I love you unconditionally and Peter was like hey you know I phileo love you and he said it to him twice and then Jesus said to the third time do you phileo love me what did you say I'm going to meet you right where you're at and for you and for all those who have fallen away Jesus told me to say and God told me to share with you tonight he wants to meet you right where you're at but God I messed up I, I, I messed up 
And God says, but I gave you first John one nine. It says, if you were, if you acknowledge, I confess your sin. He says, I'm faithful and just to forgive you of all of your sin and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. He will treat you as if you never missed it. And he, what will he do? He will come right back to you and says, now get back to doing what it is I told you to do before you fail. See, too many people are, 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 are stumbling and too many people are falling down by the wayside and the adversary is, is pushing them down and keeps telling them, you might as well give up. You might as well quit. He's never going to use you again. He, you've, you've, you've gone too far. You've made too many mistakes. You, 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 you missed it too bad this time. He's never going to forgive you. I'm here to tell you right now. I grew up in church, but there, I went to church every Sunday, but there was very little church in me. There was very little church in me. In fact, when I graduated from, from high school, I knew two scriptures. John 3, 16, didn't know what it meant. And, I, and Jesus wept, didn't even know where it was at in the Bible. But I was in boot camp. And while I'm in boot camp, I had an encounter. I was in the second phase in Marine Corps boot camp. And I had an encounter. And I, and I went to church because even though there was very little church in me, I was accustomed to going to church, so I still went to church. But on this particular Sunday, Sunday, I had an encounter, and he met me right where I was at. Now, did that make me all of a sudden turn and give my life? Because I would already given my life at 13, but I, I, I had a knowledge of God, but I didn't know God. But I was like, okay, but I'm going to make a decision today that things are going to change. So I kept going to church, but I didn't know that I was supposed to do what it is I was hearing. It just sounded like a whole bunch of good little stories. And then I used to play football across the street from the church where my father was a pastor at. Think about that for a second. I played football across the street from the church that my father was a pastor at. How far could you get? But my parents loved the fool right off of me to the point they said, you know what? We are going to love you to life, not condemn you to death. And they loved me to life. And then they prayed for me and they loved me. And even in my mess, because I was in mess at the time and I was playing football and talking about an encounter I was playing football across the street from it from the church where my father was a pastor at and on this Sunday I was I played defense I played linebacker because I love to hit and and on this Sunday on, I'm on the football field and I have this encounter and he says he says this one thing he says playing football won't get you to heaven that's all he said Playing football won't get you to heaven. I didn't even know who that was. I didn't even know God would talk to you. He said, playing football won't get you to heaven. So I'm like, oh, man, I, I don't know what to do with that. So I, I, And all the interest I had playing football was gone. Did God take it from me? No, but he, he presented something to me that was better than what it is I currently had. And that's what Jesus said he came to do. He came to present something to you better than what it is that you already had. See, he came to present to you life in abundance to the full until it overflows. And he says, but you got to make the exchange with him. So did I get born? Did I restart going back to church and everything that day? No, but what did it do? It started the process. See, one waters the seed. I mean, one sows the seed of the word of God. Another one waters the seed, but God gives the increase. It was one time, it was, it was maybe a year or so later, I was I was up in, in work at work and I was, you know, I, I, I was trying to do some stuff, push ups on somebody who I had no business trying to push up on. And 
I knew the only way I was going to tell you how bad I was. I knew the only way I can get close to this person is I had to talk to them about church. I'm telling you, you don't know everybody's story, how God will use you. And then when I was in the midst of trying to push up on this person and I, and I said, I know I need to get my life back. I need to get my life right. I need to get back in church. That's what I said to them. And they, and they told me to start reading the Bible. Well, I started reading the Bible. And the funny part about that is, is, is I understood what I was reading because I had been born again, but I, I had knowledge of God, but I did not know God. And then they asked me a question about, because I was in a relationship with somebody else to tell you how whacked out it was. <laughs> and, and they was like, do you want to release your relationship? I said, I don't, but I don't know what to do. And right there, it was my third encounter. He says, just like with Peter, he says, I have a way out for you, but it's going to take a decision on your part. I made one decision. All I said, I didn't even know it was the Holy Spirit talking to me. I didn't even know God would even talk to you. He, I said, okay. That's all I said. Okay. Kind of like with Peter. Peter, do you love me? You know I love you. I said, okay. And this light bulb went off on the inside of me. I was born again for real, for real. And I knew. Something had happened in my life. I just didn't know what. And it wasn't until I went to church the next Sunday and the preacher was talking and I realized what had happened. That was the start of the journey. There was no, it was nowhere near the end. When you, when you pray the prayer, that's just the beginning. But you got to understand you have an adversary and his name is Satan and he hates you. In fact, he spends his whole entire, his whole mode of operation is to kill is to steal to kill and destroy you he wants to steal your identity kill your purpose and destroy your life but jesus came to give you life in abundance to the full until it overflows but you got to understand he has hidden agendas and his agendas are so well hidden to 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 the natural eye that you might be thinking you're going the right way and if you don't use the word of god like a map you don't use the, the Holy Holy Spirit like the uh, God positioning system, like the GPS, then you will easily get off and you will only be think you're off a little bit. But how far, far off is off? How, how, how much of a partial truth is a lie? If you tell a partial truth, it's still a lie. If you, you can lie by commission, you can lie on purpose or you can lie by omission where you just leave bits and pieces out of the story. See, I understand, man, I was out there, but God, his word, Holy Spirit, talking, 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 and then I heard it, I received it, I believed it, I acted out on what it is that I heard. What happened? I was restored. What happened to Peter after he said, God, Jesus, you know, I love you. He was restored to do what to feed his to feed the sheep and tend to the lambs that's what he did and that's what he wants to do with you tonight in the name of jesus you have to understand that the battlefield is in your mind that you're going to either win or lose the battle in your mind so you can't you know you just uh, you know just if i uh, no it doesn't work that way let's find out about the battlefield in the mind. Turn with me over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 3. Jesus came to give you life in abundance to the full 
until it overflows. Jesus is God's gift to the world. And but not everyone will receive that gift, even though that it's a free gift. And all you have to do is to receive it. But receiving it is the beginning. You have to you will have to win the battle in your mind. But guess what? It's not you by yourself. You got God, the father, Jesus, the son and the Holy Spirit who's on the inside of your spirit when you're born again. And you have his word to be able to quench every fiery dart. The wicked one went up against you. It says this, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 3, I'm reading out of the Amplified, and it says this. For though we walk or live in the flesh, we are not carrying out our warfare, because it is a warfare according to the flesh, and use a mere human weapons. For the weapons of our warfare are not physical warfare. They're not, they're not bullets, they're not swords, they're not guns. But they're not weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. Strongholds are fortified patterns of thinking. You can have positive strongholds and you can have demonic strongholds. In this case, we're talking about demonic strongholds. What about these strongholds? What do they do? Inasmuch as, what are we supposed to do? When we're battling with our weapons, weapon, you have the word of God. Weapon, you have praise. Weapon, you have worship. Weapons, you have prayer. Weapons, you have the whole arm of God. When you're operating using these weapons that have been given to you by Almighty God to do what? To put off. You want to refute or put off any arguments or theories or reasonings and every proud and lofty thing which tries to exalt itself or be be in a higher position than the word of God. When you're talking about, you know, that the only way you're going to succeed in, in life is, is getting more debt, 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 debt. Well, debt is debt will keep you in bondage. Debt will keep you so, so burdened down and pressure because every time you, you, you get into a debt situation, you become slave to who, whoever lent you that money, whether it's a bank whether it's a company, you become servant. It says whom uh, the, the borrower becomes slave to the lender. And what do you got to do? You got to do whatever you got to do in order to get that money to pay for that thing you got in debt for. Now, the thing also thing about it says, hey, you got to be sick all the days of your life. That's what the world will say when it's lifting its theories or reasonings and arguments. There's no cure for this situation. But God's that might be fact, according to the world. But truth, according to the word of God, is by Jesus stripes, we are healed. Now, what do you say? Now, well, not everybody gets healed. Do you know why everybody doesn't get healed? I don't. You don't know why everybody doesn't get healed. I know healing is made available to you, but can I say why everybody doesn't get healed? I don't have an answer to that question. I know that for personally, I've received healing. I've seen family members that receive healing. I've seen people we pray with who receive their healing. Why does not everybody not receive it? Everybody did not receive healing when Jesus was on only earth at the time either. Why? For many people, because their own unbelief. See, some people miss, uh, mistake presumptuous thinking or mental ascent as faith. You can just assume that, you know, that you have faith and, but you have nothing to sustain what it is you say you believe. Let's keep going. Says what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to be, when you get these arguments and reasonings 
Reasoning is leaning to your own understanding. And arguments, theories are things that have, it's just somebody's suggestion, but it has not been proven out. And you're saying, hey, I exalt this above what it is that the word of God says. I'm, and your battle is, is when you have situations and circumstances are going on, whose voice are you going to listen to? Are you going to listen to the arguments, theories, and reasonings according to the world? Or are you going to listen to what it is that the word of God has to say? Now, if you yield to what the world has to say, you have just lost the battle because you have exalted what it is the world says above the word of God. You have locked yourself into what's known as a stronghold, a fortified pattern of thinking, just like a like a like a horse. Have you ever been to a do ranch and you're riding on a horse and that horse has rode that trail so many times? Even if you don't tell that horse which way to go, that horse, because it's been trained to go that way, will automatically go that way, whether rain, sleet, or snow. And it's the same thing. If your mind hasn't been renewed by the word of God, according to the kingdom of God, when situations and circumstances go on, because you have developed a fortified pattern of thinking to lean to your own arguments, reasonings and theories and every high thing which tries to exalt itself against the word of god then you will automatically like a second nature respond that way every time even though the word of god might tell you to do something altogether different now the battle goes on in your mind the battle the adversary is going to come at you he can't come against you. he's not going to come against your spirit because he has no access to that if you're born again but his thing is Hey, if you don't renew your mind by the word of God and you have not begun to be transformed by the total renewing of your mind according to the word of God about the kingdom of God, then even though you're born again, sure enough saved, on your way to heaven and so glad about it, you will still walk around in defeat because you're still operating according to the kingdom of darkness or the Bible or this world's systems when the kingdom of God is a much higher system than that. Why do you say the battle's going on in your mind? Because I, as a man thinks in their heart, the way that you think in your heart, in accordance to Proverbs 23 and 7, is as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Or as a person thinks in their heart, or as you meditate in your heart, or as you have fortified patterns of thinking that are in your in your soul, or in your mind, will, and emotions that have come from your heart, then when situations and circumstances come along, you are going to respond to the fixed pattern of thinking why is, will you respond to that fixed pattern of thinking because you don't know any other way see you cannot give or you cannot do what you don't know it's kind of like you know the other day i got this uh software update indicator on my phone and it says hey there's a software update available to you well until my phone gets that updated so at software update it's going to continue to operate at the same level it was before until i put that update on it once i put that update on it it's going to have a different capacity to do things it was not able to do before it's the same way with the word of god if you only have a little word you're only going to have a little transformation in your life even though you have a smorgasbord of wisdom of knowledge and understanding according to the word of god according for the kingdom of god you will only be operating in a little bitty area not because it's not available to you but you have not taken the time to get that word on the inside of you again you got to understand when you're in a battle when you're you're dealing with confrontation when you got this that and the other going on 
Your battle is not against flesh and blood. Can I say that one more time? Your battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against your co-worker. It's not against your mother-in-law. It's not against your brother. It's not against your cousin who still owes you $20. It's none of that. Your battle is not with flesh and blood. And according to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, the, uh, for though we, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, even though I'm not in battle with you, but I'm battling against what? Principalities. What is these? A form of a demonic spirit. Against powers, what is that? A higher rank of a demonic spirit. Against uh, rulers of darkness in of this age, what is that? Another rank of a demonic spirit. See, you have an adversary. You have an enemy. And he has his own structure as far as his demonic spirits. And those principalities deals with laws and legislations. And rulers is dealing with people who are in power. Talking about kings and queens and prime ministers over nations. That's why First Timothy chapter two verse one says that we're supposed first of all make supplication, prayers, intercession, and give thanks unto all men for kings and those who are in authority that we may live a quiet and peaceful life. We know that when they're in positions of power and authority, your boss is it can be used by the adversary. The adversary can be be. Uh, uh, making suggestions to your boss to do all kind of things that go against exalting themselves up uh, above what the word of God has to say. But when you begin to pray for your boss, that, that, that they will have uh, ears to hear the word of God and, and that they will receive salvation and that they will begin to, to uh, have their minds renewed by the word of God. And, and you're fervently praying for them. And then you're demonstrating Remember, he has need of you. And when you are operating in court in your office, by operating as a, a, a one who does works of service in your community, on your job, in your government, in your neighborhood, guess what happens? That he begins to see the model of what a, a, a person who is a believer, a follower of Jesus is supposed to do. And what does it do? It begins to disciple him. What does disciple mean? He becomes a student. See, you are, what we do is we make disciples. And we make disciple makers. What is a disciple maker? One who on purpose identifies people who aren't born again and begins to disciple them and teach them about the things of God by their lifestyle, through relationships, not just a, a one and done, but through their lifestyle, through their relationships, by the words that they say in order to do what? To, to bring, to teach them all the things which Christ has already taught us. Do y'all see this? That's why he says, I have need of you. But you have to understand the adversary has tricks. He has schemes and he has strategies to try to keep you from receiving the life, that life. What kind of life? That life in abundance to the full until it overflows. Because, see, you can't give out what you don't have. See, once you get that life, when I got that life, when I got born again for real, for real, when I received Jesus for real, for real, I began to get the word of God for real. I received the Holy Spirit with a baptism and other tongues for real. And I began to speak the word. I was preaching the word of God long before I ever accepted my uh, call as a, 
as a preacher and definitely before I received a call as a pastor. And what we started to do, we started, we took everything that we would learn and we'd go teach somebody else. I taught every, whatever I learned, I'd go teach somebody else. I'd go share it on my job. I'd share it in my neighborhood. I shared it at the grocery store. If you made eye contact with me, you was going to get my Jesus. Guess what? Same thing still true today. If you make eye contact with me, we, hello, how you doing? I'm blessed, highly favored. What does that mean? Man, now we're going to, you going to get some of my Jesus. Then I'm going to give you the, the, thou. No, I'm going to talk to you just like I'm talking to you right now in plain English and everything. But I can show a biblical principle or a parable to you to teach you about the kingdom of God and how God's not mad at you and how Jesus came and he paid it all and how all you have to do is make the great exchange with him. No, what did I say? You have an adversary. His name is Satan. His devil, his name is Diablo, which means he's a penetrator. What does he do? Well, in accordance to Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 10, and Paul is saying this, he says, in conclusion, be strong in the Lord and be in power through your union with him. Draw your strength from him, that strength which his boundless might provides. He says, put on God's whole armor, the armor of heaven, armed soldier, which God supplies. He says that you may be able to successfully to stand against all the strategies and deceits of the adversary. So the adversary has strategies and, 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 and deceits that he has to try to come against you. Remember we talked about last week, week before he's an accuser. He brings charges against you. He brings charge. He's accuses you to you. He accuses you to others. He accuses others to you. He accuses you to God. He accuses God to you. What? He is an accuser. And what is he? He's also a liar. But you already, if you're born again, you have already overcome him. How did you overcome him? By the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. He's He's a liar. He's a father of lies. He, in his strategies and his schemes and his tricks, he is a, the ultimate deceiver. And sometimes you are deceived and you don't even realize you're deceived. And I'm going to share with you one of the main forms that, that, that he's deceiving people right now. It's called he's gaslighting people. He's, see, this is the thing. He himself can't, he himself, what is what he does? He uses other people to come against you. He can't, he can't do it himself. So he has to get somebody to yield themselves to his suggestions, yield him themselves to his spirits, and then allow that and have that person who has yielded themselves to him to go forth and come against somebody else. So it looks like Bobby is the one coming against you, but Bobby is, is, is yielded himself to the, to the adversary to be used to come up against you. That's what the serpent did in the garden. The serpent yielded himself to the adversary, allowed the adversary to use his body so he would have expression in the earth. See, the adversary has no expression in the earth. No demon has any expression in the earth unless it has a physical body or it can attach itself to somebody. God has no expression in the earth unless somebody yields themselves to him and be led by the Holy Spirit. Do you understand? It is the same principle. God is like that. The adversary is like that. So 
depending on who you yield yourself to, that's who you become servant to, whether to God for righteousness or to the adversary for unrighteousness. Let's talk about gaslighting. What is it? I know you heard it before. Gaslighting is a form of psycho psychological manipulation in which the abuser attempts to sow self-doubt and confusion in their victim's mind. In other words, he's trying to put keep you on the defense. He's trying to have you all have self-doubt. You doubt yourself. You have it brings about confusion. You can, you are double-minded. You can't you can't make a decision. You're indecisive, and he's doing it by accusations and through a series of lies. What are some of the so what does some of the signs of that you're dealing with somebody who's gaslighting you, or the adversary is using somebody to gaslight you? Let's let's look at a few. Let's let's look at them real quick, and this is where we're going to end up at. Gaslighting. What does it look like? One, they they blatantly lie. You know the person is lying. You already know Bobby's lying. And often they do it and it's with ease. Yet they will say do, they do not recognize this in their behavior. You begin to have self-doubt. You question everything and become uncertain of the simplest matters because this person has lied so much and they blatantly lie that they don't even recognize this behavior in themselves and it gets you to begin to have self-doubt about the things that you say that you believe. Now, they would, the second thing, they would deny, 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 deny. You now, now, you know what they said. They denied ever saying it. They will ask you to prove that they said it. You start to question your memory like something is wrong with you. Man, I know what you said. No, nah, man, I didn't say all that. Man, I heard what you said. No, nah, man, you know what? A, a wrong person. I sent, oh, I, I sent that to the wrong person. They would deny, deny, deny. They lie and there is no truth in them. Number three, what would they do? They will use what you love against you. This is the manipulative tactic used by the gaslighter, causing the person to question themselves and the things that they hold close. For example, if the person loves their job, the gaslighter will, will find issues with it. If they have children, the gaslighter will make them believe they should not have had them, They that they are a poor parent. They'll make, I mean, you love your kids. They say, man, you shouldn't even have kids because, man, you're a horrible parent. And I don't even know why you say you love that job and everything because you're not good at it at all. What are they going to do? They're going to they're going to use what it is you say you, that you love against you. What's the goal to always keep you on the defense and to have self doubt and 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 uh, have confusion going on in your life? They will. They the fourth thing they'll do is is they'll have you lose a, uh, uh, losing your sense of self. What does that mean? The gaslighter will continue to methodically and continuously. Over a long period of time, the victim over time, you as the victim, becomes a different person. Your self-confidence disappears and you become a shadow of your former self. The whole thing is, is get you off your base. Get you off your foundation. Get you to have no confidence in yourself at all and get you to, to self, you would begin to doubt everything to the point you don't even recognize who you are now. They have now fifth, they have a lot of words, but their actions don't line up with their word. They talk and talk to try to convince a person of their concern for them. However, 
their actions don't support what it is that they're saying. That's what the adversary does. He will try to he will try to accuse you and say, you know, God don't love you, man. But if you roll with me, man, I got you. I, I got you. I got you. And, and see, he will try to convince you that what you're going to do against God, it has more benefit. And as soon as you do it, he'll say, fool, I don't know why you listen to me. See, you thought you was somebody. I told you you wasn't nobody. I told you you wasn't saved. I told you you wasn't really serious about God. And he will convince you. He will convince you that something is wrong with you. Now, sixth thing, they have love and flattery. Now, they will tear you down. A person who's gaslighting you will tear you down and then build you build you back up and tear you right down again. So it's like build you up just to pull you down. Build you up just to tear you down. Build you up just to tear you down. And what does that happen? When they do that, you will begin to have more and more self-doubt about yourself, more confusion about yourself. They're always going to, they're always trying to confuse you. They will instill constant and consistent confusion, leading you to be desperate for clarity. All these are what people who gaslight people, this is what they do. It's a form of psychological manipulation. It's the exact same thing that the adversary does. He he's all about trying to bring about confusion. He's always trying to project uh, your their actions against you. Like well, if they're if somebody's gaslighting you, they're trying to project you, their actions, and they become the victim. And they try to they try to convince you that the reason you're the one who's making them feel that way, even though they're responsible for their own actions. They will try to convince you that you're crazy. You're the crazy one. I'm not the crazy one. You're the crazy one. And then what do you do? You take your eyes off them and then you begin to look at yourself. And see what the adversary does, his, his greatest offense is to keep you on the defense. His greatest weapon against you is to have you have self-doubt because ultimately his goal is to steal your identity. You don't know who you are. You have no self-confidence. You have no self, uh, uh, self-esteem and just beat you down, beat you down, beat you down so he can then kill your purpose because you'll be so broken and so confused and he's using, he, and he's gaslighting you and he's using other people to gaslight you. And, and there's people in your life right now who, who, are, who, are, who are, as much as they think, you think they're there to help you. They are there to keep their thumb on you to make sure you never rise to become all that God has called you to be. And they, the ultimate goal is for the adversary to destroy your life. You still live, but you don't live the kind of life that God intended for you to live. How do you overcome this situation? It's easy, man. It's easy. How do you start? It starts with a decision. You're going to make a decision today, man. You know what? I'm up since we're uncovering the, the hidden strategies of the adversary. And the first one is gaslighting, man. I'm going to recognize who's been gaslighting me. Lord, right now, just reveal to them who's been gaslighting them, who in their circle, in their sphere of influence, who in their circle has the adversary been using to gaslight them, to blind their eyes so they can't see father, reveal it to them right now in the name of Jesus. And give them wisdom on how to say enough 
is enough in Jesus name. Now, how do you how do you change that situation for yourself right now? You realize that, man, the adversary has been been pulling a woo woo over your eyes and, and he's got you blinded and you can't see. It's simple. I just I've already been telling you. How do you do it? Man, you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. How do you go about doing that? It's so simple. And according to Romans chapter 10, verses 8, 9, and 10, it says this. It says, the word of God is near you. It's in your heart. It's in your mouth. That's the word of faith which we preach. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Saved, what does that mean? Healed, set free, delivered, made whole, brought back into right relationship. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. See, the battle is going on in your mind. And see, as long as you have that fixed pattern of thinking, you will continue to respond the same way you always did. But God has brought his word to you today. And he says that word to, to set you free is near you right now. He says, and all you have to do is confess out of your mouth what you believe in your heart. And when you make that confession, what does it do? Put you back in right standing with God. Makes you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Makes you a brand new creature. Puts you on the road to a brand new beginning. Are you ready? Here we go. Pray this prayer with me. Say it out of your mouth. Mean it from your heart. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I do believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe he died for me on the cross and carried my sins for me. I believe he was put in the grave, but he's risen. He's alive right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me now. I repent of sin and I receive your offer of forgiveness. Thank you, Lord. I'm now born again. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you pray that prayer for the very first time, or you pray that prayer rededicating your life, or you, hey, you knew you weren't living right, but you wanted to get back on the right track, man, I want to welcome you into the kingdom of God, welcome you back into right position, welcome you back into the body of Christ. Now, what do you do for next? Man, you got to get in a Bible-based church that teaches you about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Man, I believe Ignite Depot is such a church. You can join us here each week at 6 p.m. online. Each week six, at 6 p.m. where we'll give a life-giving message which is relevant and practical for your everyday life. Now, what happens if you're not able to meet us here at 6 o'clock? Man, go look at it on YouTube. Look at it on Facebook. Look at it on Twitter. Hey, we also have a podcast known as Ignite the Number Two Life. That's Ignite the Number Two Life podcast. You can hear this message and other messages like it. And we also have another message, uh, a podcast, which we do a, a message every day, Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. It's called Fresh Steps for You. That's Fresh Steps for You, which is all about feeding you with knowledge and understanding so you can order your steps according to the Word of God to live your best life life yet. Now on behalf of Pastor Juan and myself and the entire Ignite Nation, we want to thank you for joining us tonight. And remember, you are an overcomer. Jesus came to give your life in abundance to the full until it overflows. You have a great night. We'll see you next time. God bless you. Bye-bye.